Hi, I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And I'm Angelica Yard. And we're the heart behind the Heart and Hustle podcast. Every Wednesday, we share a new episode with our listeners on topics that range from business and creativity to leadership and innovation. We also interview some of the best and brightest in the industry and spread our love of entrepreneurship all over the internet with our hashtag, BossSoHard. We're on a mission to help you find balance in your life, creativity in your career, and dollars in your bank account. So sit back, relax, and take notes while we show you how to dream big, work hard, and repeat. Welcome back. Hello, hello. It is spooky week. It's spooky. I have like an event that I'm leading out on Saturday and I was taking calls, getting literally like off at the airport. Like it's, you know, I'm so stressed about this Halloween business. Who does Yay, this? Hey, Halloween. Who What's does this? Gonna be? And whatever I pick up today. <laughs> You're like, whatever I go Whatever grab. we go to the store and find that she agrees with, because today I feel like it's like... Yeah, because they change their minds. So that's actually well, really and smart. Well, she just doesn't... they change their minds, like, a lot. They're like, a lot of parents, like, I feel like, you know, get it prepped, like, a month or two out, and then the kid is like, I'm going to beat this. No, yeah, I'm going to beat they have, this. And they have kids who care. Like, she just doesn't... And she was only, like, she was only one last year, technically. Yeah. So she just doesn't get the, the concept of being anything, because she's so obsessed with birthdays, so every time we ask... What are you going to be following? She's like, I'm going to be still too, but my birthday is in December. <laughs> That's what she tells literally anyone, anybody She's who like, asks. Duh, duh, I'm still going to be the same Yeah, exactly. Whereas her best friend, who is younger significantly and was, you know, six months, is Catherine the Great. She already knows oh, from because wow. she reads Rebel Girls, stories for girls yeah. every night. And like Catherine the Great is her favorite. And I'm like, why can't you be this person? <laughs> like, what's I wrong like with it. you? So what whatever. For Halloween, um, two. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> I know, David's birthday was last Monday, and she was just like, "Oh, happy birthday, Daddy! My birthday is in December." Every time she said it, every time she is a jerk. Uh, oh this whole and but this weekend she was trolling everybody in the city, and she was like, "I'll be five in December." I mean, and, and she looks like it, it. because yeah, she looks like, like it. And I'm it. like, you're not, please, oh, we fight, y'all. We fight. Yeah, so. people would believe it for sure. And she just has, I mean, like, she's just very tall, obviously. Yeah. And then has, like, and she's still too, and she talks a lot. Yeah, when she talks, like, you could kind of guess it, but also if she stays quiet, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Because, like, well, she talks more than the average two year old, too. Yeah. Like, with you. Like, if, no. if she keeps them short, you wouldn't know. You know what I'm saying? I said talk like, to her like she's where, 19, so like, that's the problem. Like, there's times I'll look at her and I'll be like, are you supposed to touch that? And, like, you'll be in the other room and she'll be like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you seem like a five-year-old. Like, you seem grown up enough yeah. to make your own decisions. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. Yeah, the whole time we're, we're just, like, fighting um, our whole trip, so. Because she thinks she's grown. Yeah. I love it. How was the weather? It was beautiful. It was fantastic. Um, I mean, it was still kind of warm. Um, and so I was really, I planned the first day that we landed to go to Central Park because I'm like, I have, like, fall tree withdrawals living here. Yeah. That was such a big deal to me growing up as a kid. Only eight hours away, but for some reason, Florida's way too hot for that to happen. Um, really so is. it was, I went up and I was like so excited because I picked the place and the map and I get there and I'm like, everything's still green. Yeah. Thank you, climate change. But yeah. by Monday, the leaves started changing. It was ridiculous. Like it was, so we, we were there technically like, at the change of the leaves, so it was. I mean, Which it was cool. Honestly, even not that bad. I can't more, complain. Yeah, that's I can't like complain. even more awesome to be there right during that. Yeah, because normally when you don't live up there, you don't get to be there at that like exact. Moment. Right, exactly. Um, uh-huh. Matt was telling me that when they were here like the week before, he was like, "Yeah, uh, nothing's happening." Yeah, yet, and I'm yeah, a it's crazy. It was crazy. It is stressful it's because it was. I mean, we were. You know, it's the last the 
week technically right now going into October and they have peak fall starting in the beginning to middle of October yeah. so it was really strange for me I was like if people don't believe in climate change right? go outside the leaves are still green in the northeast that's like proof of enough and that it's snowing already in Colorado yeah so uh but it was fine um where Camp New York was fantastic we got to see all of our favorite people um, hang out, have my child be obnoxious. She got like her first baby's first Bluehost t-shirt, um, which if anybody goes to work camp knows that you just come back with the, the Bluehost shirts because they're comfy. Um, so it was it was a good time. I mean, we always have fun, and and our friend, a good friend who's from here, two of our good friends are two of the lead organizers that are up there. So it was nice to kind of. That's so fun. I, always, I feel like everybody. They're first of all, everybody's always older than me, but I'm like the little babies are growing up and they're doing big things and look at them grow and all that stuff. So it um, was fun. I had a very weekend and it was hot it was i'm so sorry that it was hot (laughs) yeah i was like and you were like it's so hot here but it was still i mean i mean i'm lying i was indoors It was, but it looked hot outside. Yeah, it, it, it was outside. very it probably muggy was. because, like, yeah. you know, yesterday, like, was rainy, and so it was kind of just, like, prepping right. for that. So it was a muggy weekend. On Saturday, we went to the convention center, and um, we did, like, the boxing, all the meals for Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really cool. Um, it was, like, in the actual room that they have, like, the actual conventions right. in. So yeah. it was a mess. I've never seen, like... Yeah. It was weird because normally for the conventions, you know how, like, things are, like, up high? Yeah, yeah. So for this, there was, was like, just everything normal, right, was just normal, down low. Like, yeah. it was just, like tables and like you know you'd have like anywhere from like three to seven people at a table yeah. like feeding children stuff. everywhere is one of my favorite experiences they're so and they're so they're like, so quick because they yeah. just made it really easy like I, we walked in and we got you know quote unquote trained which yeah. took all five minutes and, and then you just then do we it went to like for, our table exactly. and our table like it was john and i it was um this puerto rican mom and her daughter who was like about seven and then this elderly couple and we, I don't know how we did it, but we packed a ton of meals. Yeah. And the little girl was just, like, on top of it. And it's it. crazy how quick you, you do it. Like, the time goes by so quickly. Yeah. We did Feeding Children Everywhere a couple years ago. I feel like everyone gets into the, like, little job that they have. Yeah, yeah. Every, and yeah, you, no, so they you get, get really fast at yeah. that job. Like, for me, I was opening the box and so you're just like, the first chili. Rip it open. And so I could get the box, like, because you basically, you... Uh, it's like a box that you make, yeah, so yeah. I could just pull right, it in exactly. one thing, and it would be where it was. Whereas, like, I needed to go grab extra popcorn for a second, and John took over like my position. Yeah, and then, yeah, like, you fumble. Together, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know how to do this. Like, this is complicated, but it's like you kind of get used to that role. The little girl, her role was like because somebody had to have the glove to like put the yeah, fork yeah. in, so right. that was her role, and she was like cute. on top of it. It was cute. super cute. Kids are yeah. Cute. So it was like you know it was nice, like and they had like the big sign and it was like Orlando cares. And, yeah. You know, I definitely have seen a lot of people be more involved in the community and everything since everything happened at Pulse so it's one of those things where you have to like unfortunately in this horrific 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 world uh, try to find some beauty and some silver right. linings to things so I think that having people you know, think outside of themselves yeah is really... people are really starting to realize like hello we're a community and we should be doing things for each other and be in and if you're not like from Orlando if you don't live in Orlando our, our Puerto Rican population here is massive and growing up here I can't ever think of a time when, like, one of my best friends was in Puerto Rican and, like, when I couldn't, like, walk down the house or walk down the street into, like, a Puerto Rican household and just, like, walk in and be like, hey, I'm here. Like, feed me and love me and take care of me. Like, that's just kind of how it's always been. So, you know, it was real. like, and John has had that same experience growing up in South Florida. So it's just very important to, like, give back because everything over there is still... 
Uh, really, yeah, they're it's... having everything's just difficult over there. And and over here in Florida, you know, at least in Central Florida, especially, we got really lucky. Tampa, you know, um, even Miami, we right. saw very little damage. Um, and in Puerto Rico, it's been like catastrophic. So I'm happy to see that the people that were stressing here are turning around and yeah, you know. putting that energy towards some good things. But to yeah, help I've other done people. like food volunteer work before. Yeah, but not I think like we're them. going to have and them. They're fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. we they done stuff with the hospital before, and so we were looking Celebration before. Hospital? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're looking at doing something anyway um, for November because this event is going to take a while. We're probably pushing it back and talking in negotiations in early 2018, just because it's there. I mean, it's just an easy setup. Like I've mm-hmm. never volunteered in terms of food wise with other yeah. organization that. Just just a one stop easy like Like it was yeah you just show up and it's like it's not like the other food ones that i've had weren't um great they were great but this but this is just easy yeah it's just easy so well organized so it was they're super awesome of the event i cannot wait yes so well i'll put links to um feeding homeless everywhere um I think it's feeding homes feeding, or feeding, feeding children. children. Feeding yeah. children everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everywhere, um, yeah. Put that link in the show in case you guys want to donate some money because money always helps too if you're not here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, You'd be sh- like shocked though, like in like one hour, two hours, three hours, you get the amount of meals. Thousands, you pack, thousands like, of be meals packed. Because so. I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, I don't have all day or whatever. Yeah, but cool. you'll go there be there for, for an hour. hour. You'll be like, you will physically see because you'll be doing it and you'll see how quickly yeah. when you're working with like a small team, how much you'll be able to do. A lot of people don't understand how the assembly line work is is just speedy of you being able to focus on your one task so yeah it's really awesome okay well today's guest is really a, it's the first guy we've had who's not been a um fitness person <laughs> yeah and we <laughs> i'm very excited I think about that had, like two well, two three, guys. if you count David. Three, if you count David. I, don't, I never count David. You never do. <laughs> like, do you know your husband's not a fitness person, yeah, actually? <laughs> I mean, tell but him yeah. that. Right now, he thinks he is, so. He's like, he's like, he has that, like, motivational, like, fitness type of lifestyle. Right. Um, but, yeah, so we've only had, like, three guys, yeah. three men so far on here. So um, I think it's cool to have, like, you know, more a guys different on perspective. here. And, you know, it's just, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, well, your brother. Oh, you can't yeah. count him either. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We don't count the people who are like close to us because they don't. I just count. like I mean my brother. I never call my brother a guy. He yeah. is a man, but I don't know. I just like he's not a non-binary person at all. He just has a very different perspective than like your average male. Yeah. So like I feel like you know because it was um and God I'm gonna forget the one guy's name and it's gonna make me feel bad. But so I won't say either of their names so that way they don't know which one I forgot. But the two guys that were on were just so like masculine. Yeah, you know right, that's, what I'm saying? Saying, that's like, why I think we forgot. <laughs> because to me, I, I mean, yeah, they've obviously is masculine, very, energy, but very, they like, were very alpha male. They had like muscles. Yeah, bigger than like our whole. <laughs> they body. had muscles. Yeah, so y'all. they're like super, super masculine. Yeah. So just you know, different types of people and different walks of life. I think it's you know interesting to have all sorts of different types of people. True on story. There. Um, obviously, we focus on you know lifting up the voices of women. Um, but we speak on the show every single week, so we are always lifting up the voices of women because we got each <laughs> Lift other. Every so. voice. In but the yeah, same. I'm excited about this interview because um, it's just. You know, we'll get into it in a second, but it's just uh, a different type of um, business that we've ever, yeah. you know, We keep trying to. to expand types of businesses. So if you're yeah. getting a, a no response or message telling you to wait a little bit, it's just because we've had a lot of people who have the same type of business. Because I... We're getting a lot of emails and everybody's like, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you, first of all, you have to understand we're booked to March. And I keep I keep repeating that very nicely. Yeah, see, um, we are booked, like, literally until lit- We're not making that up. We're not BSing you. But also, if you're in an you know, industry that's a little bit 
oversaturated or if you looked and you seen us talk to somebody that does the same thing at this just point, we have talked to a lot of people who do the same repeat, yeah and, you know, and especially creative services and depending it's different on the type if you, you yeah. know if you do pitch us and you see like oh well you've talked to a lot of designers or a lot of but you have a different take like you have yeah. something totally like you have a topic but a lot of times people say hey well i want to talk and they don't have like necessarily a specific topic yeah. that we haven't touched on and so it's not that we say no outright, but then we have to say, okay, well, we'll get back to you, and we try to find it. Yeah, we have to find a time, time that or, works, right? You know, like trying to come up with a different topic that that we can discuss with you that hasn't. Yeah. Been so discussed, if you so. are pitching us on stuff, please try some cool stuff that we haven't talked about before, because that's an easier way to get a yes uh, versus also, us if having you to. Are pitching to us, quit your and home. you have been on other podcasts or you know s- spoken any type of way. Send us that, too, because that'll get you through faster, too. Send us a link. Send us those links. Uh, but, yeah, so also, of course, be on social media with us. Yep. Um, Heart Hustle Pod and Heart Hustle, Heart Hustle Podcast. Um, and just write to us. Let us know what you're up to. Let us know what you're doing for the holidays. Let us know of any cool conferences. We were just talking before we yeah, started we recording. Yeah, we need some 2018 we wanna, stuff. Yeah, we want to, like, travel and, and have, like, you know, I, I normally don't travel for business per se. Like, I meet with clients when I travel, but I don't go to, like, um, conferences. And then, so I want to start doing that. Angelica obviously does it all the time. We are just talking about this cool one that's in Austin next year in April. Um, so, you know, we just kind of want to get out to some places maybe that we haven't been to before. Yeah, which would be cool. I'm, like, doing some West Coast stuff. Yeah, so. we kind of want to get to, like, Austin, Dallas, and then the West Coast. Because um, yeah. we obviously, we are both up north a lot, but we don't really get over there. Um, and then leave us um, your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, so I nobody yells at you. I will always call it iTunes, but yes, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> They're going to yell at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> leave us those positive reviews there. And um, honestly, word of mouth is also my favorite. I hear about people all the time. They're like, oh, my friend, you know, is a fan of the podcast, and she told me to listen to it. And yeah, somebody wrote, it. like, I replied to something in a group, and somebody was like, I just wanted to let you know I listen to your podcast. And that was weird, because I'm like, oh, cool. I didn't, mm-hmm. I'm just out here, y'all, existing. But it's cute when you do that. So yeah. please keep. Yeah, we like hearing from you. Yeah, and we if you like, see me, don't you know, don't. You can let me know that. That's fine. I'm not weirded out by it. But it's, it was just like I I'm so used to not seeing that. So somebody to do that, I was like, oh, you're so cute. Uh, you're a baby, baby Jim. <laughs> by the way, you're probably older than I am. Everyone, everyone's that a baby is under 32. Is Every baby. no, everyone who's like under 74. <laughs> I literally have like or older famous. ladies at really church do, that I talk like, to like they're my children yeah. and they love it. <laughs> imagine when you're like six years old what you're gonna oh my goodness everybody's a fetus yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right guys we will see you next week bye so today on the podcast uh we have a really really interesting guest with an awesome company i'm really excited about this because we've kind of never had not only have we never had any um, company kind of featured like this, but I've just never actually heard of a company like this before. Um, so we have Sean Kim today on the podcast. And for those of our listeners who are not familiar with you already, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and tell us about Ripe App, which is uh, the startup that you own. Great. Well, thanks for having me on the show, guys. And for those of you guys listening, thanks for listening wherever you guys are. So, yeah, my name is Sean, and I am the founder of a company called Ripe. We are a completely virtual and distributed company, and we're one of the world's leading memberships for taking private language lessons online. And our mission really is to help connect the world through languages and through all different kinds of learning. 
and we're really excited to be here with you guys. No, oh, this is super awesome. Um, as someone who has sat, and I'm actually, I went through, um, I forget the, the main one, but I'm, right now I'm in Memorize uh, in terms of learning Spanish, and my husband was trying to learn Japanese, but he had a really hard time finding an app that would, would actually fit his style. I find that Ripe app would be the thing that he needs to try to figure out something for personalized lesson plans in terms of any foreign language, not just Japanese, but I feel like he needs that personalized uh yeah. touch so I really am excited to talk to you about this app but how did you know that ripe app was needed and would be a great business idea considering there are other competitors out there that were already well known yeah so when when I first started the company this was actually my second company the first company that I started about four or five years ago it went under and I had this kind of I had this negative perception about entrepreneurship because all these struggles and hardship and a lot of loneliness that I went through when I went through this on the first time around. So I was actually living in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, and also Medellin, Colombia at the mm -hmm. time just to completely unload and do consulting work. And I was ended up living there for about 18 months, which I'd be happy to get into as well. <laughs> but this idea of trying to learn a language around your busy schedule was the main part and the main light bulb that really came into my head when I started personally learning a language. So I didn't really start this with this grand scheme of having this big vision or trying to you know, take over the language learning world of the education industry. I was really just scratching my own itch. And here I am just trying to stay afloat, but I needed to speak Spanish because, you know, I needed to make friends. I needed to, <laughs> you know, go around and actually have a social life when I was living in Colombia. And my failed attempt to learn salsa dancing was one of those things, <laughs> but I, you know, I needed to have some way to learn the language. And I tried basically everything. I've tried Duolingo where you know most of you guys know right yeah that's the one that i was thinking of thank you <laughs> yeah that's it that's it right and mm -hmm. you know it's the most popular app that's out there and there is the other option which is you go through a language school which is the traditional one size fits all curriculum where you sit down with 15 other people in a classroom and you're learning through a group-based learning process and there wasn't really that many solutions in between that allowed me to stay in the comforts of my home, but that actually allowed me to learn live with a one-on-one -on -one teacher. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really this big moment. It was almost this accidental approach where I felt the most comfortable, I felt the most alive, and I felt that I was learning the fastest when I was genuinely engaging in a conversation, just like you guys and I are talking right now. Right. And I felt this was one of the best ways to learn anything, really. And it wasn't until I was a little bit further down the road where I realized that there was actually a scientific study based on the way humans best retain information. And it was a group called the National Training Laboratories down in Jerusalem, or Bethlehem, I believe. And they found that the traditional ways of learning of the, through a lecture-based system where there's, you know, most of you guys went to a college where there's 300 of their students and you got one professor and you're kind of listening to them talking to a presentation. And they found that there's only 5% of information that you can retain 
when you're learning through a lecture and 10% when you're reading something, but when you're teaching and when you're engaged with someone, you can retain up to 90% of information. So it was kind of this after fact that I realized that the best way to retain and learn anything is through this immersive and uh, immersion method that you know we've really adopted at RIPE. I love that. That's super... Yeah, I love immersive learning, which is why yeah. I'm so obsessed with museums, because I love, like, when you step into a good museum and it's just, it's everywhere. It's, like, it's surrounding you. Um, and I've always had trouble with learning languages, but I, I would say I definitely did the best with Italian. It is because of, like, what you just said. Like, each of those is a certain percentage of what you're actually going to retain. And I learned with each of those ways, whereas, like, I've done Duolingo, and it's pretty much gone in one ear, out the other. That is why I am horrible at Spanish, um, but so much better at Italian. <laughs> my Spanish is really, it's like embarrassing, especially considering the fact that I live in Florida. Like, my Spanish is so bad. I'm like, I'm, I need to like be your customer, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you listen, we have nothing against the, you know, Duolingo or any of the other solutions that are out there. The, the way I try to, try to analyze it is when you're trying to get in shape, let's say, and you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to gain weight, you're trying to just be more lean in general, let's say, the way that I would compare something like a Duolingo or any of these mobile apps is similar to the way you compare to a fitness app. Mm -hmm. You know, there are plenty of other fitness apps out there. There's MyFitnessPal, there are, you know, seven minute workouts, there's P90X, there's all these different methods that you can have in the comforts of your own screen, and you're kind of left out there to do your own thing without any accountability, without any immersion, where what we're trying to do at RIPE is we're trying to get you a personal trainer right. mm -hmm. that That's you what can I mean. be at the comfort of your home, but they're going to keep you accountable, and they're going to be there 100% there with you live, one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, that's, that's really the difference that I would say. But you can certainly use both, and you don't necessarily have to give up one or the other. Yeah, right. That's like I learned Italian with a teacher. I try to learn Spanish on my own, and so we can see that I do not have that kind of willpower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it's hard learning. It is. Language, right? Yeah, it is. I think it's hard doing a lot of things on your own, having that self-starting method, and you bringing up fitness is one hundred percent true. Because many people mm -hmm. having it sounds great to have all these apps and all these advertisements you see on Hulu or whatever, and then you buy it, and then you have to be accountable for showing up exactly. every day for an hour to lose that twenty pounds. You know what I mean? So having someone there to be your accountability partner in a sense is really what helps I think make such a huge benefit for people who need that type of learning who learn that well on their own need that kind of like support while learning exactly absolutely yeah and what I would say is you know we're, we're definitely not for everyone mm -hmm. you know just like when you have a business coach or you have a personal coach or you have a fitness coach you know, the, when you look at the high performers and the people that really want to reach their full potential and get to that next level in their life, in their business, whichever stage they're at right now, they always have, they seem to always have a coach or a mentor or someone that can really guide them that has been through that path before. And I know a lot of people that are listening right now, they are looking to get to that next level. They're ambitious people, they're curious people, which is why you guys are listening to the podcast itself. And, you know, we have plenty of people that say that, you know, RIPE isn't for them because they just want to learn on their own uh, and, you know, they just want to be able to learn as a hobby where I think for us, are we're, we're looking for people that 
really don't have the time. They are working full time with their career, and they want someone that can that they can be accountable to, or they want someone where they can kind of outsource this almost, right? They yeah. don't have to think about it yeah. so much, and they can just rely on Ripe to help them learn a language, and they can focus on what matters in their life, which could be family, which could be their business, which could be taking care of their health, any of that aspect. So you mentioned that um, you've traveled quite a bit and you've also lived in quite a few different countries. So has that kind of like influenced like your love of languages and has language like always been a passion for you? And how many do you currently speak? Yes, I speak three languages conversationally fluent, uh, which is Korean, Spanish, and, you know, a little bit of English. (laughs) Just a bit. (laughs) And I lived in Quebec, actually, in Quebec, Canada, for those People that uh, haven't heard it, it's a province in Canada, the only province in Canada that one that speaks French. Uh, they call it yeah. Quebecois French. The people from France get kind of offended when you call that French, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But I spoke a little French there, and it's one of those things where you kind of use it or lose it. But I, you know, I I came to Canada as an immigrant from South Korea uh, when I was about seven years old. So. Um, about every seven to 10 years or so, I've, uh, you know, I've been immersed in a completely different language, uh, from Korean to English, from English to French, and then from French to Spanish. So this has really been a part of my story. And this is part of been the origins of where I really was, uh, where really how I grew up. But um, a lot of people think I was like this expert or this linguist or this <laughs> polyglot that has this like avid natural talent for learning the language. And it's actually the opposite of that. Um, I'm really bad at learning languages. And the reason why I was actually so passionate about Ripe is because I finally found a solution that wasn't in the market that allowed me to actually fulfill the need. And I was coming from an outside perspective. So whenever I have guests on my podcast, I generally like to ask how people came up with the idea. And guys, you have no idea how many people, and I'm sure you guys know this, that started a business that had no idea uh, what the industry was, what the really underlying mechanics of the business was, but they saw this problem because they were coming from this outside perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, Uber wasn't started from a big taxi company right. or Airbnb wasn't started from the guys that own, you know, the Marriott or the Hiltons. It was started by two artists from the RSD school. And I think more people that are listening are always constantly saying, I don't have experience. I don't have experience. Ah, there's people that are going to be much more knowledgeable than I am. People that have more expertise, more, more, you know, more, relationships we're networking in this industry so you know i'm probably not going to be able to make this but i gotta tell you that's it's it it is excuse my french but it it is a bunch of bs i think at the Mm -hmm. end of the day because there are so many businesses in fact some of the best businesses in the world were created by people that had no idea about anything that had to do with the industry itself yeah i definitely agree 100 percent in that aspect of the greatest ideas, I think, especially in modern times, like you've mentioned already, Uber and Airbnb are things that we never 
we challenged because we had the idea of we had to stay at a hotel or we had to do the traditional, you know, bed and breakfast or that we had to call the taxi company, but we never challenged that there were better solutions. And so these people who were just fed up and tired of being, having to, you know, stick to these one or two methods of doing something just created these, went with these ideas, pitched them to people who actually were business savvy and the people were like, wait, this is actually a good idea. And I'm sure they got laughed at in their faces all the time. I'm sure somebody was like, you can't go against taxis. Taxis run cities and, and now, you know, it's I literally different. remember having conversations with like people older than me being like, yeah, this Uber thing, it's like, it's not going to come. Yeah, on. it's not going to last. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I was like, there's no way I'm getting in a stranger's car. Right. Like, like, well, you can get kidnapped. Just the wrong car. Yes. I was like, no way I'm getting into this car. I know. I, I love that the, like, most of the conversations I had were that I'm going to get kidnapped. And I remember being like, oh, you guys, nobody wants to kidnap us. Like, like, you, like let's be real. <laughs> but I love that we're so, like, you know, we're taught yeah. safety first and all that stuff. And we're like, taxi drivers would never kidnap us. But yeah, right? Uber like, like, drivers that would. would. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. We're, we're all kind of negatively uh, pessimistic, I think, when something new comes around that mm-hmm. table. Totally, totally. So Brave has daily lessons that are 30 minutes each. Was that something that you found worked best for you? Why is that that format the best that, that you guys decided to go with? Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily have to be daily. I, you know, I, I love making this analogy of trying to get in shape mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're trying to get in shape, you're trying to work the body. But when you're trying to learn a language, when you're trying to learn something, you're really training the, the brain right. and you're training your mental state. So at the end of the day, it is a similar process that I think most people have to go through. And, you know, look at, you know, look at person A, let's look at Bob that wants to work out once a month or maybe twice a month. And he decides that he's just going to go on a binge gym day. Right. Because now, you know, for, he watched like a motivational video, whether it's Eric Thomas or Gary Vaynerchuk, <laughs> he's like, oh my God, I'm so pumped up. I'm going to go to the gym for four hours today. Mm. And he gets on the bench, he gets, starts doing squats and does deadlifts, he does every possible exercise that he can, and then he goes home, drinks his protein shake, goes to sleep, and then four weeks later, he does the same thing again. And you look at person B, let's say, let's look at Wendy here, and she works out every single day, or she works out four times a week, but not for four hours, but for 30 minutes, for 45 minutes, she has a consistent routine, she has a consistent plan, works at different parts of the body, and takes care of herself, and she does that for, you know, one year, she does that for six months. Now, when you look at the projection of the pathway that these guys are taking, you know, Wendy's going to be in much, much better shape in six to nine months. She's going to be much more fit, she's gonna be much more healthy, she's gonna have built that routine and mental state to get her consistently going for that, you know, for another nine months, for another 12 months. And the same thing that I've, I've seen, especially from the research, is that the daily process of immersing ourselves is the way that the brain retains the most information. You know, we can go back to the college days where we all try to cram that for that exam for, you know, for, for 12 hours straight, uh, but you know that person that probably it was, definitely was not me, but <laughs> never you. Person, yeah, my neighbor that decided <laughs> to study for three months straight and studied a little bit took up the same amount of time at the end of the day, right? Didn't take up that much less, that much more time to be able to consistently study 50 minutes a day 
for 20 minutes every couple of weeks, uh, every couple of days per week. And, you know, he or she nailed it, just completely obliterated me in, in the exam because of that consistent process. So uh, that's the same way I think we should look about anything. There's so many things we can transfer into the way we do other things in our lives. And this is really the mindset that we wanted to take with Ripe's learning method. Yeah, I definitely. I feel like that's so, so needed for me right. because if I don't do something every day, like it really just takes me kind of a day to fall off and not. And I'm definitely that way with fitness, which is why like I have to do it every day. Um, and I also just think that it makes it you're like making it harder for yourself. Like when it comes to something like a language, like immersion is always going to be, you know, your best option. So if you're, you know, hearing it daily and speaking it daily, you're going to be better off. Absolutely. And, and we're, we're actually one of the first companies in the world to introduce this idea of a membership into learning a language in itself. And it's the exact reason why we wanted to make learning language or learning anything for that matter as ubiquitous and as simple as a gym membership. And just that mindset of paying a flat monthly fee, significantly cheaper than the other solutions by doing that as well. So there was, you know, another benefit to that for the users. But ultimately, it was a, we're trying to make that psychological switch for people that right. learning a language isn't going to be, you know, the way it's traditionally done, like a language school where you go there to, you drive to a school and you go there from nine to five, you come back and you do that for, you know, 12 hours straight for another two weeks or so, and then you have to move on to the next program. You know, it's, it's really, most people's lives don't work that way. We're so busy, we're so inundated with our day-to-days that it's much better for, in our case, for most busy people, just to be able to build it around the busy schedule. And we have teachers from all around the world where you can book lessons at 1 a.m., 5 a.m., 9 a.m., all that stuff. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about how, you know, Ripe is just kind of brand new. There's not really a lot to compare it to out there. And we speak to our listeners a lot about pricing because it's just kind of always a question that comes up no matter what sort of business they're running. So how did you go about uh, your pricing structure with Ripe? How did you like figure out what to charge, you know, when you don't really have anything to compare it to? Yeah, it's a good point, uh, and, and, and we really didn't because we, we were the first people to introduce this in right. a membership setting. So, you know, it, it ultimately came down to testing for us. Um, you know, I wish I had a magic formula or an algorithm that I could share, but you know, even when I speak to some of the top entrepreneurs that are out there, uh, you know, there, there doesn't really seem to be this magic formula when it comes to pricing, even though there may be an industry standard to the right. way pricing is done, um, there, there always seems to be this testing process because my user base or my target customers that resonate with my message and with our vision may not be someone else's core audience. And at the end of the day for us, we have to take six months or nine months just to consistently test and and as, as much as you know, we've made progress until then, since then, I would still say we're still testing pricing right now. Um, so it's, it's a constantly flowing process, but we've, we're, you know, we're going from that 80% now to 90% and hopefully in, you know, a few months we'll be going from 90% confident to hundred percent confident. But at the end of the day, it's always, always testing different things that, you know, that I think our audience could find more value for. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. There's really, especially in the tech 
field and, and with apps and services that are specifically not B2B, but, you know, business to consumer, I feel like it is very difficult to price because there hasn't, this is all brand new. Like this mm-hmm. is really a brand new industry. So in terms of speaking, in terms of other things like retail or, or food service or, you know, restaurants and that. So I think you having this idea and being 90% confident right now is amazing. Like that's super awesome. Yeah, and, and I'm also kind of falsely confident too. <laughs> so when I say ninety percent confidence, for a regular person, this is like sixty-five percent. This is a fair warning here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like in in terms of tech founder confidence, I think you're doing pretty good because uh, yeah, I don't think you can ever be a hundred percent. So to say, you're always doubting yourself. Um, especially like I said, the industry is just so new; it's very hard to to figure out what works. Um, Definitely. So in that sense, I don't know if your your former business was in, in the tech startup space, so, so to speak, beforehand, but what has been the biggest challenge of owning a startup, especially in the tech space uh, thus far? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to say if there's one specific part. You know, I, I guess the hardest part for me that I had to overcome, which... I've gotten used to at this point is starting a business as a solo founder mm-hmm. and you know in the early stages where you don't really have that person that you can bounce ideas from on a constant basis right. and be able to someone that's really there just physically to make small decisions to big decisions you know we have to make massive switches and changes and transitions at the company and there was a lot of times where I was just questioning myself and I was like, I, at, this, at a certain point, I just I started really writing down notes and started talking to myself at a certain point because there wasn't really anyone that I can start bouncing ideas off from. And, you know, I had mentors and all that stuff that I could, I could rely on, but um, that was definitely the hardest part. It was, it was um, and for anyone that wants to start a business on their own, you know, the, per- the percentages of success of solopreneurs or solo founders is a lot lower because of this psychological stress and this, um, I guess, this lack of motivation and this lack of accountability that people have as a solo founder. So that's definitely the hardest part for for me and this, um, and, and, and I don't necessarily regret it, but it's something where, you know, I brought in a CTO or chief technology officer down the road and you know, perhaps I could have brought him on a little bit earlier to be able to relieve some of that stress and some of that, um, I guess, weaknesses that I had. And again, this goes back to the whole being 90% confidence when I should have been 65%. I thought <laughs> I could do it all. And I'm, t- I'm telling you guys, for people that are listening, focus on your strengths and focus on what you're great at and double down on that and try to delegate or try to find a partner that can complement the weaknesses that you have instead of trying to weak, trying to improve your weaknesses because speed is everything when it comes to startups and starting your own business because six months down the road you could be running out of cash and that's the number one business that's the number one reason why most people have got a business yeah definitely um, always hear those stories it's funny because we get a lot of the partner stories and those are the stories that people are more enamored by but you really don't get to hear much about the mental health of the solopreneur yeah, startup person you not, really don't talk about that yeah, at like, a lot. I feel like it's hard like and I know for me like I work by myself and then whenever I do anything with another person I get so excited because it's just like 
I don't know. It's just like, like you said, like being able to like have someone physically there and be able to bounce ideas off someone. Like doing this podcast together is just like such a breath of fresh air because normally I'm just like here by myself all day. And so it's like when Angelica's here and I'm able to like talk to her and we're able to discuss like, do we want to take this guest on or that one? And, you know, like, do we want to take this ad or that ad? It's just like having somebody to kind of like bounce those ideas off of is fantastic. Um, and everything else pretty much I do alone. And yeah, it is very stressful. I find that if I have a larger project that I'm working with other other people on um like i'm bringing contractors those are always the projects that i personally enjoy more um so yeah i definitely think that there's something to it and i think that it's interesting because kind of in the industries that uh we are in there's been this like push for being like i'm the only person and i do everything even though a lot of people have teams but they kind of like pretend they don't in a sense um and so we've talked about that on here before but i i feel like it's just such a odd push because to me i'm like when you have a team when you have a partner i know everybody does and not everybody can but i just think that it's just better all around but especially for your mental health for sure absolutely and and i think it's it is the number one thing that differentiates most entrepreneurs that end up succeeding you know i think if tony robbins said success is really 80 percent psychology it's 20 percent mm-hmm. of the mechanics and it's 100% true, and, and unfortunately, even if you may have a partner, even if you may have a, uh, you know, a, a business partner in that way, there is generally a person that is the, the number one, mm-hmm. right? The CEO, the person that makes the final decision at the end of the day, and even if you may have a partner, it can get extremely lonely for the people that need to make that final decision, because a lot of people are relying on you, and you know, the number two person can always say, hey, this number one person made the final decision, but the number one person has to make that final confirmation. And I know a lot of people that also have partners that go through that. And, and the point is really the, the mental health is incredibly important. So this, uh, I think this needs to be talked about more because yep. this, this, the, the rate of suicide, the rate of people that are really suffering but aren't able to talk about it in this world of entrepreneurship where it's all about the hustle and bustle and about doing it yourself and raising a lot of money, it's it's a topic that's really rarely talked about. So I'm glad you guys are talking about this on your podcast as well. So you have, I love your blog. Your blog is excellent, um, especially for like other entrepreneurs. And you shared a lot of the lessons that you have learned so far as an entrepreneur. And it seems like you've learned a lot. So I want to know, I know it's like pro- kind of like an impossible question, but if you had to choose like the most important lesson you've learned so far, what would it be? Yeah, I think I think it goes back. It goes back to doubling down on your strengths mm-hmm. and stop trying to focus on your weakness. Because the fundamental uh, way to survive and the way to really thrive in in a startup world for people that are interested in starting their own business is the rate of feedback cycle and the rate of speed that you can experiment something, learn from it, and then make a decision and and move on. And it's really, really hard to do that for things that you're not your best at. So I'll, I'll give you a perfect example where, you know, we try to, my, my focus is really on growth and mm-hmm. being able to get our name out there, promotion, exposure, all that stuff. And sorry about this, my dog. <laughs> um, it's okay. And, mine's sitting right underneath yeah, the Yeah, I'm like, so. I'm surprised I didn't like She's jump on my feet her. right now. <laughs> and the thing is like, my dog loves humans, but she can't, get along with other dogs it's it's so it's like a weird thing i don't know if there's any other <laughs> dog owners that are out there that have this issue but you know loves humans if we got robbed today she would start licking the robber <laughs> and you know, start being Same. friendly and giving Same him treats and stuff. but 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it's an issue that we have, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think for 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 me, it was it's really just not doubling down on my strengths, and I had this um, this want to control everything, and I was afraid of delegating things because it was my baby at the end of the day that I wanted to. I wanted to perfect everything. I wanted to make sure everything was going well. I wanted to make sure that I had, you know, this full breadth of idea of everything that was going on. And to me, that was probably the biggest mistake. And not bringing in someone, whether it's a business partner, whether it's an employee that you can really rely on to complement whatever you're weak at, is really the first step to building a business that I think will sustain itself because. If you're building a business where it's solely relied on you, then it's not going to be a sustainable machine overall. And and for me, that's probably been the biggest thing. And I wish I did that a lot sooner because uh, you know I think we would have been much further along. And you know I, I'm not the kind of person that wants to live in the past or anything like that. But if I could give advice to anyone that is going through that state, is is try to find a partner, try to find. An employee that can complement your weakness as soon as possible, and double down on what you're passionate about or what you're really gifted at, and that could be marketing, that could be design, that could be development for anyone, but definitely that is the number one thing. Yeah, I don't think I could disagree anymore. I know we're definitely. Um, yeah, that's like that advice is perfection. Yeah, definitely. I, I just I, I feel it in my soul. So you're speaking to me, and I don't like it. <laughs> like, don't tell me about my life. I don't like it. Yeah, this was an intervention, actually. Oh my. <laughs> a- oh no, it's time for me to go, you guys. Oh, look, time's <laughs> up for the. Thank you for no. <laughs> um, it's so true though, and that's honestly like for me this year. That's what I've been trying to like learn and accept is to focus on what I'm good at and to kind of be okay with other people doing the other things. And I think like, you know, one of the things you said that, you know, if your business relies like completely just on you, it's not going to be sustainable. And I'm like, Oh my God, if that hasn't been the last seven years of my life right there, like that is 100% like spot on, spot on. True story. So in a hundred days, you went from a thousand sales a month to 15,000 sales a month, which is, that's a lot of money. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so first of all, that's, it's, and it's a small, small, small amount of time. What was that process like going through that with you and your team? And how did you guys manage that scaling that happening so fast? Yeah, so that is, uh, and, and I'm really glad this is the next question because it makes me look good because <laughs> this is me preaching my own advice where I went from being a solopreneur that was trying to do everything. You know, we, you know, all of us, as much of a machine as we are, you know, in the beginning of a business, because you're so fired up, you're so passionate. Let's say you're working 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day, but you have to deal with accounting, right. development, customer service, design, marketing, promotions, uh, product, and your time is being split into all of these different things. If you imagine like a pie, and not enough on whatever you need or whatever you're best at. And the thing that really shifted was really when I took my own advice and I said, listen, I need to bring on a customer service person and I need to bring on a founder uh, or, 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 or technical person. And at that point didn't have you know a, a big budget or anything like that. So once we reached a certain revenue number, that was the first thing that 
we had to do, including giving up some equity of the company mm-hmm. so that the person was properly incentivized. Right. And I doubled down, I tripled down, I quadrupled down, whatever the next part is from after quadruple, <laughs> I, I went all in on what I was really great at, which mm-hmm. is getting our name out there on growth and delegated the other parts that I didn't necessarily enjoy or didn't necessarily think that I was personally good at and everything shifted in the business. So that was really the big shift is I started getting our name out there. When I was spending an hour marketing a day, I started spending three hours, four hours a day. And that was the big shift uh, for us. So if you're, let's say, not a marketer, if you're listening to this and you're not the person that's gonna be in charge of growth, then you need to be the person that needs to find a partner or an employee that can dedicate their full time if not way, way more time than you are currently on getting your name out there if your product is ready to be seen in the world. Mm-hmm. I say, and I really appreciate you being like transparent with the money because if that money growth doesn't inspire people to, you know, kind of make those changes that you said in their business, then they just don't want money. Um, Cause that's, that's just massive growth, you know, in such a short amount of time. And when you're saying like the main difference, that's like the only main thing that you did. I mean, that's, that's amazing. It just shows like you practice what you preach and, you know, taking those steps really did work. Absolutely. There, there was no silver bullet in our business. There was no, you know, you hear a lot of these stories of, you know, the Dollar Shave Club, one video changed right. everything. Or you hear, you know, other companies that had big press launches and all that stuff. That was not our story. And I think for most people that really succeed in the business, it's a daily grind. It's not mm-hmm. this magic silver bullet or magic day that happened that changed their business forever. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think the, the, the concept of that is, I think we should stop, stop talking about this one thing that's going to save your business, but rather the fundamentals in this and the, and the underlying principles that no one gets to see. It's not sexy at all. Right. Yeah. You know, giving up control and yeah. you know, admitting your weaknesses and sharing your vulnerabilities, that's not sexy. Mm-mm. But the decisions that you have to make because of that is the real fundamentals that no one saw. And this is probably my first time really talking about this, so thanks for asking the question. But the underlying things that you know, nobody really saw was really what fueled the business. But people don't talk about that. People don't really want to share that. But that's the honest truth. And I know tons of entrepreneurs that will tell you the same. It's about the people and the fundamental, fundamental underlying principles um, and the decisions that you had made behind the scenes, behind the curtains that really fueled the growth. It was definitely not this magical press thing that happened. Yeah, it's it's not it's not easy also to give up equity in your business to bring on the talent that you need. And that's been a large conversation here in our Orlando tech scene is a lot of the startups, um, they, they're, real, they're, they're ready to get to that point because we were you know trying to raise rounds and, and get funding and do all this stuff and try to hire in the best talent, but people don't see the long-term benefit of living in Orlando because there's, you know, we do have some, some larger tech companies coming in, but the reality is now founders are going back and saying, I, I have to give up equity to get the talent that I want mm-hmm. to get the help that I need. And I think that you, knowing that you needed that help and being able to offer that compensation early, I mean, it, I don't know how early on in the process, but early and on enough where you could still sustain this growth at this point, uh, that's, that's a big deal. I mean, that's not easy. That's very awesome for you to be able to do that. Yeah, you know, and giving up equity is definitely not easy for for anyone, you know, especially if it's your baby, especially if you sacrifice a lot to get to that point. And 
you know, the way I look at partnerships now is if let's say I'm giving up 10% of the business or 20% of the business or even 50% of the business and, you know, let's take 50% as like the, as the hyperbole and, and you have to ask, you know, if, if you brought this person on, can you increase the size of the pie so that both of you can benefit given that this person that is you're bringing on is going to have the complementary skill sets and it's going to bring in that value that can justify the 50%. Can you grow the pie enough in the business without just you and being in the business by having both of the partners so that both of you guys can ultimately win and, 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 you know, take up more of the award rewards at the end of the day. Um, so I think being in the abundance mindset, is something that was really difficult for me. I was always in the scarcity mindset. I came from a conservative family, and this was a big mental overcome that I had uh, that that had obstacles with. But it really changed, I think, the the way I did business and the way I looked at relationships in general. Yeah, I think um, minorities in general, because we yes. typically don't come from abundant households, we all yeah. kind of grow up having that mindset a little bit financially that we need to, con- you know, conserve as much as possible and save, save, save it. And you're always going to be looking for your next meal or have that mindset of scarcity, like you said. So I told I'm there with you and a lot of my friends are there with you moving to that abundance mindset. It's hard. It's hard, especially when it's been conditioned in you mm-hmm. from childhood, culturally, a lot of the times uh, that that's really hard to shift your thinking so yeah yeah and and for me um i I think i think difficult part was i you know the first part you know when my first business failed it was a lot of it a lot of it had to do with the the business partnership so the and and also it, it really i think for me coming back and really thinking about it uh my parents got divorced when i was a teenager mm. and to me that was probably another underlying factor for me not to give up control right. and not to bring someone else into the partner because it was a way to defend myself almost. Yeah. And it was certainly not true. When you analyze it, it's actually really, uh, I feel really stupid even thinking about something like that. But, you know, the, the previous experiences that I had through, you know, the, 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 the relationships that I saw in my own life and the influences that I had really affected the way I looked at things in other parts of my life. So, um, yeah, it, you know, all these things are definitely factors to it. But when you analyze the most successful people in, in business or in life in general, it's always done with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can definitely relate because, like, growing up, like, my parents divorced young and I was had to always be, like, very independent, help out with my younger brothers, that sort of thing. And so it made me almost a little bit too independent in business. Um, to where I didn't want to rely on anyone else or just because I, I never had in life. So it's just kind of carried that attitude over into my business. I really think think it'd be, you know, beneficial for everyone who's like starting a business to get like a free psych eval before, <laughs> you know, going into business. Because I feel like we could learn so much and, and uh, you know, avoid a lot of mistakes down the road. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's the Myers-Briggs. I'm, I'm even thinking about doing this where every time we have a partnership with someone or every time we try to hire someone the first thing is not going to be asking for the resume but it's going to be eventually asking for the results from the psychological exam <laughs> right you know i i know someone who she's a photographer and she works with families and she actually has all of her clients do um a psycho like a psyche eval and she comes from a background of being a psychologist and i guess it helps her to be able to photograph the family 
um, just in a much easier way, especially working with kids and stuff like that. Like she just knows because she was a psychologist for so long. Now she'll know how to deal with them as a photographer uh, once she has like their personality type and all that sort of thing. So I feel like that's a great idea. That's awesome. What's the personality exam that, that she gives? Do you know the name of it? Um, no, she uses, I think that she uses a combination of a few because she was a psychologist. So I think that she kind of created like her own long, you know, thing. And basically when she sends them over the paperwork to like sign the contract and, and secure their date, she sends those over as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and it's, I mean, she markets that as a part of, you know, the thing. And then, you know, when you have uh, parents that might have children that don't really like being photographed, they're going to seek her out specifically because she kind of offers that, you know, and it's different than what your average photography experience is going to be. That's pretty brilliant. Actually. Yeah, it is. It's very brilliant. Yeah. Um, so your most of your team is remote and we work remotely and uh, most of the contractors we work with are remote and most of our listeners are remote and are probably listening to this right now, like from their home office or a co-working space or something along those lines, coffee shops. Um, so what are some of the tools that you use to kind of keep your employees like connected and keep everybody organized and on the same page? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and it's it's for us again. It's a constantly evolving process as we add more employees, as we have people from different parts of the world. Uh, you know, we we had people. We used to have someone who lived in Madrid. She now lives in uh, Canada. So it was. It's always a constantly changing moment. But you know, we we have the basics like Slack. Uh, we use Basecamp as our project management tool. And instead of Skype, actually, we use a peer dot in. I don't know if anybody has uh, heard of that, but it's basically a similar process to Skype, but you can just log in. You don't have to, uh, so you don't have to log in. You don't have to create a username or anything like that. You just simply go into a, a room that you create, and anyone can join uh, at any time. So that was that's something that's been really convenient for us. Um, and. I guess the 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 last tool that we uh, we also use is Calendly, uh, which is which is I think the way we schedule this yes, out. So whenever yeah. I have different meetings, um, you know, I don't I don't I don't dress up in a suit and drive to a coffee shop most of the time, but I have these online meetings uh, like this, and the way I schedule that is is using an app called Calendly. So um, yeah, we, we try to keep it fairly minimal. And we try not to overload ourselves with too many different things, but those are the fundamental things that we run our remote business off of, which is really not that much if you think about it. Uh, I immediately wrote down that Skype alternative because I personally, I don't even want to say that I hate Skype, but Skype dislikes me personally. <laughs> and Angelica can like attest to this because like, I don't know when we're at her house, like Skype works and everything's fine. When we're here, it's just like Skype does not like my, just doesn't like me. Um, so we've had to many times like use Google Hangouts, like at the last minute because like Skype just wouldn't work. Um, so I'm like, I'm always looking for like alternatives to Skype. Like when I'm, you know, chatting with people I know, like I'm, I'm a Mac user. So, you know, I just do use FaceTime, but professionally, like I want to not use FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I mean the, the amount of times Skype and I broke up and, yeah. then, and then made up is 
you know, there's not enough fingers in my hands to count that. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't I don't know that anybody has had a steady uh, Skype relationship. I think yeah. everybody has taken a break from Skype. It's not it's not a good partner. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it doesn't your weaknesses. That's for sure. Yeah, for I seriously. Um, so what? If, yeah, no, you've given first of all, you've given more than enough advice. Yeah. I feel bad for asking for more advice because I think at this point, the people who are listening who are really looking into making the jump or whatever they have so much to learn from you especially when it comes to uh just finding a partner who is great at what you're weak at i think that's something that most people don't get to hear they don't you don't talk about weaknesses first of all when you mm-hmm. start a business you talk about what you're good at but uh you are not going to be great at everything so you've given us so much advice but if you have any more advice feel free to share it at this point yeah definitely um hmm. let's see i'm trying to find something that i haven't necessarily talked about too much. Hmm. Like I if guess, some, let's say if someone was like brand new and they're like they haven't even made the jump yet. Right. Yeah. So I guess you know at, at the end of the day, it 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 starts with if you have no idea what you want to do and you're just in the beginning stages and you're trying to figure out what even business you want to be in. You know, I I, th- I think the three underlying strategy that you want to fit into is number one, you have to figure out ultimately what you're truly, um, again, it's an overused word, but you have to really figure out what you're good at and what you're passionate about or really what you're curious about. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you're absolutely in love with. You know, and you know, there's a lot of people that want to, uh, they're passionate about knitting, but there's really not a big market for that in most cases. Uh, so the second part is you have to figure out a market that, you can actually fit into and someone that something that people will actually pay you for. So I think most people really start with passion and the first advice that most people give is start with passion, start with what you love and start with, you know, what you're curious about, but that's really only the first step, right? The, you have to complement that with at the end of the day, you know, a, a more pragmatic mindset of knowing what people are actually willing to pay you for and what people care about. So you have to be able to understand and look at what other people are thinking and how other people will perceive your brand, your product, your service, whatever it is that you want to be able to serve for the world. You have to look at what other people are thinking. And this goes not just beyond the idea stage, but when you're building your product, when you're pricing your product, when you're hiring people, you always have to take yourself out of the picture and learn what other people are thinking and how other people may perceive whatever it is that you're trying to provide for them. So I think it's it's really not being inside your own head so much, but being able to have that secondary uh, skill set of being able to take yourself away from that and look at it from an outside perspective as well. Yeah, I mean, that's more than, again, you've given way more <laughs> than needed to be. But this is, I mean, that is 100% true. I think we always, um, because the the face of the entrepreneur, and as you mentioned, like your Vaynerchuk before, it makes me think of him and some of the other people who aren't terrible people, but they're their brand, you know. And so people think entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. they think that one person, they think this person obviously thinks about what they want and what they think is great. And, and it's not that at all. These people are great and good at what they do because they are never in the picture in their heads. So uh, yeah. I definitely love that you share that with us yeah absolutely absolutely so we're getting like close to the end of the year and close to a brand new year 2018 
which many of us are super excited about. And I know most of us entrepreneurs, um, you know, kind of like do a lot of goal setting towards the end of the year and the beginning of the year. So I know you already like you've already done more than most people ever do. <laughs> um, but what what what's kind of next for you and what's kind of next for Ripe and like what goals do you have coming up for yourself and the business in the in the new year? Yeah. Um, so, you know, our, our ultimate vision with Ripe is to become the Amazon for personalized coaching in general. And the way we started with our company is similar. You know, Amazon started with books. We started with languages. That's kind of the, the trajectory of the way we think about it. And the underlying fundamentals and the infrastructure and, and the brand and the customer base that we're building is you know, it's just something that we're incredibly focusing on right now with languages, but it, the success that we've had in the initial stages of proving out languages is something where we're going to be able to leverage to move on to, into other industries. Mm -hmm. So the near future for us is taking the success that we've had with languages and applying the similar model of, of making people, uh, of really democratizing personalized coaching in general and allowing people to have access at a convenient time and at an affordable price, which is really the most important for us uh, at their own time, anywhere in the world for things like health coaching and being able to help you find a nutritionist, a fitness coach, a, uh, a you know, it could be a mental therapist, even for any of those entrepreneurs that need help like I do. And it could <laughs> All be of music us. lessons. <laughs> um, you know, it could be really any anything that you want to learn, anything where you can meet with someone online and have a transfer of knowledge is is really what I, we found to be the magic formula because when we were looking at and trying to figure out what people were really talking about when people met face to face like this and people were trying to learn a language, we realized that the conversations they had in order to learn Spanish, in order to learn French was people were very honest. They were talking about the relationship issues that they have with their boyfriends, with their girlfriends. They were talking about how, you know, how they can get in shape more. And they were looking for advice on how to play guitar because our teachers are multi-talented. And we realized that, you know, it, the magic formula here is not learning languages necessarily. The magic formula is the model and the community that we've created that allows people to connect anywhere around the world where you can meet someone from Spain, you can meet someone from China, and when what you do and what you learn when you can get two people together is really infinite, right? I've learned so mm -hmm. much just from talking with you guys here, and I can learn something from someone else in another country, and for us, we're trying to become the Amazon for personalized learning in general, so that's kind of the near future and the vision that we're building out, and we're kind of on stage one, I guess, right now. That is completely brilliant. And that is also, I think, the best answer we've ever received to that question. Um, I think, you know, going forward and trying to be the Amazon of anything is just like a, a brilliant idea. And like, like you said, like they started with books. And I think so many of us forget that. And now Amazon, I mean, at least for someone like me, like Amazon, does, Amazon is like my life source. Like everything I get is from Amazon. Yeah. I yeah, always and, say like I bow to my prime overlords. Yeah. And like they just bought Whole Foods and I was like, great. Like now, like everything is complete for me. Like I don't need to like leave. And I think that, you know, really like you paying attention to not only only is there like again the need especially like you know um for angelica and i here in america like you know languages are not really um taught very often in school like we get two years of you know 
subpar often, unfortunately, uh, training for a language. It's not really encouraged in America. And then if you, you know, want to get into the global market, which more and more people are doing, um, especially, you know, as there aren't the jobs sometimes here. So a lot of my friends have gotten jobs abroad and everything. And it's like, it's, it's important to be able to know an, an extra few languages, um, even if it's not just for your own personal self for work, it can be super important. So I think it's amazing that you're offering that and then offering it online so that it's like, you're not just, you know, a local place that has whoever is available. You're taking the best of the best, which I love. So I, I personally, I'm really excited for when you add music lessons because I'm going to take guitar lessons. So that's something I've always wanted to do. And just being, again, being able to do it from the comfort, I feel like, you know, to me, that's the big selling point because when people, like you said, when people are busy, you don't have that extra 30 minutes to drive there and to drive back. So it really just makes it so easy and simple when you can fit it into your own schedule and do it from your desk at home. Absolutely. And, and ultimately, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we live right now in a world where learning stops at the university level or at the college mm-hmm, level right. or at high school level for some people. And anything after that, when you're 22 and, and above, seems to be just focusing on trying to you know, run the rat race and trying to survive and trying to, um, you know, and it, it's becoming a downward spiral really after that university days when it comes to learning and improving and growing yourself and ultimately you know what we want to do is to build a model and build a community and make it easy as convenient as possible so that you're not just stopping learning when you're 22 or 23 but you make it a point in your life to fit in into your schedule so that you can learn on a consistent basis uh, beyond that and and lifestyle learning is really the the term that we try to coin so that you're always growing yourself even beyond the traditional education system that you know we were all confined to. Yeah, I think that that's incredibly important and I'm just like I'm so excited to see you grow and you know, I'm just so appreciative that you talked to us today. I feel like we both learned so much and I know our listeners definitely benefited from this conversation. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me on, guys. It was uh, it was really fun talking with you guys. No, thank you so much. This was awesome.